the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Go ahead and turn your Bibles, if you would, to Matthew chapter 28. While you're turning there, once again, it's just been a privilege to be here with you guys this week, uh, be able to catch up with some familiar faces. Uh, we knew the Cahill Watts from a while ago. Thank you guys for making this conference just a wonderful week. Uh, I've hopefully talked long enough for you to find your place in Matthew 28, so we'll, we'll pick up with the Word of God here, Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. The Bible says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. I'd like to preach to you guys a sermon this morning entitled, The Great Commission and You. The Great Commission and you. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this time that we have to get together in your word, Lord, and uh, just strive to be more in like uh, Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that you would help us. I pray that your Holy Spirit would work and move and stir our hearts, encourage us where we need to be encouraged, motivate us, and Lord, rebuke us where we may need to be rebuked as well. Lord, I just pray that we would all be challenged uh, to be more faithful stewards of the gospel as we take a look at the Great Commission. Lord, thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. We're going to see four things here this morning uh, about the Great Commission and you, the Great Commission and me. See, the Great Commission is really the ultimate partnership between God and you. And today we're going to see from God's Word the responsibility that God places upon you and upon me, and then the assistance that He has promised to provide us as we step forward and obey His command that we find in the Scripture here. God has delegated the Great Commission to you. Uh, I'm a missionary, but I am by no means a super spiritual individual. I'm by no means a supernatural individual. I'm not gifted beyond anything that you have received as well. I was not bit by the missionary spider. I can't spray gospel webs out of my palms, any of those things. The only thing that separates me from you is the fact that God has called me uh, to spread the gospel in a land that is not the land of my birth. Uh, that's the only thing that separates me from you. Uh, we've all been tasked with the Great Commission. We're all uh, obligated to do something to spread the gospel. Um, God has called you to be here. You need to be a light where God has called you. I'm going to be a light where God has called me. Now we've got that out of the way. God has delegated the Great Commission to you and to me, and he's provided us with everything that we need in order to obey his command in telling the world about the gospel. So the first thing I'd like to show you guys this morning comes right out of uh, Matthew chapter 28 and verse 19. Uh, number one, your action is assumed. Your action is assumed. Uh, Jesus says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Now we're going to get into something here. If you do, It's not necessarily of the utmost importance, uh, but you understand the fact that the Bible was not written in English. It was written in Greek, and when things get translated from one language into another, they often take different forms. I'm by no means saying that this translation is inaccurate or not the best. I, I firmly believe that we hold the inspired, preserved Word of God in our hands when we hold God's Word. Okay, so that's not what I'm saying. Don't hear what I'm not saying this morning. Uh, but in the Greek, it would have read something along the lines of going, teach 
all nations and preach. All right, it's just, it, and we, when we put it in the English, it's kind of awkward. That's not how we normally speak. So they shifted that thing around. But the, the fact of the matter is, is in the initial command, our going is assumed. Now, whether you understand Greek or not, you can look at this text and see that when God gives a command, he expects us to obey. He says, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He doesn't revisit it. He doesn't, uh, he doesn't modify it. He just says, go. You know, there's a lot of folks, a lot of Christians around the world, and, and you and I are these guys as well from time to time, uh, where we want to say that we love God and we want to serve him, and yet we don't do what he says to do. Our lives don't reflect uh, what God has commanded of us in Scripture. And Jesus had this problem while he was on this earth as well. Uh, Jesus was a very controversial figure. And he would go and he would preach and teach the truth and thousands would flock to him. And every time that you notice in the scriptures that Jesus' following began to become very large, he would say something that would bring them to, it would bring them face to face with biblical truth and with God's expectations of them. And then you see the vast majority of those people would forsake him. They would fall away. They would leave. And Jesus, one of the things that he said that did that was he said, ye are my friends if ye do whatsoever I command you. You know, everybody wants to say I love God, but not everybody's life follows or, or, or not everybody's life exemplifies the fact that they do actually love God. You know, Jesus Christ, God the Father, the, he's, he's the sovereign of the universe, is he not? He created us. Uh, someday when we die, we're going to stand before him and we're going to answer with what we've done with our life. We're going to stand accountable to God. Uh, you would think that when he tells us to do something, we would obey. And the fact of the matter is, simply put, whenever God tells you and I to do something, he expects us to obey. And in Matthew chapter 28, when he says go, our action is assumed. If we look at the role model of the early church as we find portrayed in the book of Acts, you'll find that they disobeyed God's command for quite a period of time. In fact, they weren't persecuted to begin with. Uh, it was, it was, a new, it was a kind of a new thing on the Jewish scenery, and uh, people flocked far and wide to this. People were getting saved by the thousands. We know what happened on the day of Pentecost, and that was just a start. And then the apostles and all of, all of, these, all of these new Christians, they, they just all traveled to Jerusalem and stayed there. And they got a mega church mentality, maybe, so to speak. And they weren't going back and telling the gospel to the people where they had come from. They were, they were staying here. They were being a part of this new and exciting thing. And they were just spending time with each other. They weren't going out and telling the world about the gospel. So what happened? God sent along persecution to drive them across the face of the earth, to drive them to the corners of the world so they could spread the gospel as they went. Just as their action was assumed then, our action is assumed now. God says go. He expects us to go. So number one, your action is assumed. And then number two, in verse 20, we find that your message is mandated. Your message is mandated. Look at verse 20. He says, what, he says, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. So we're supposed to go, but what are we supposed to teach? What are we supposed to preach? What's this message that we're supposed to give? What do we, what do we tell them? Where do we point them for answers? What do they need to know? 
1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 22 and 23. I'll go ahead and turn over there, if you will. This is a powerful passage of Scripture to look at. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, in verse 22, we find here Paul answers this exact question. Uh, he says, uh, what, 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 what do we have to offer the world? 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and verse 22, the Bible says this, For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. And by the way, everybody that's ever lived falls into one of those two categories. Uh, so what we, what, what, what we mean by that? Well, the Jews were the religious folk. They were the religious crowd. They had their traditions. Uh, they, had, they had their uh, oral traditions of the fathers that had been handed down from generation to generation to generation. These were the guys that hounded Jesus. Uh, they knew the prophecies. They saw the fulfillment, but yet they, they just wanted a little bit more of a sign. These are the guys that are religious, but they're looking for something to prove to them that it's real. They're looking for something to take that tradition and turn it into a relationship. This is the religious people. They're religious, but they're lost. And then over here you have the Greeks, and these were the guys uh, that were seeking after wisdom. These were the ones that thought they were having a... Um you know, kind of a, a mental revolution. These were the deep thinkers. These were the philosophers. These were the guys that spawned the likes of Aristotle and Socrates and Plato. And these were the guys that they wanted to use human reason to answer all of life's question, uh, all of life's questions. They were the original secular humanists. And so everybody that's ever walked the face of the earth fits into one of these two categories. They're either religious but lost until they find Christ or they think that they can answer all of life's problems outside of religion. But it doesn't matter which of those categories you fall into, uh, the message stays the same. Verse 23, he says, But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block and unto the Greeks foolishness. You know, right now, there's a, there's a lot of movement that's going around even in our religious circles about, you know, well, you need to, you need to go back to school and you need to get qualifications to be able to, to counsel and you need to get degrees in order to be able to talk to people about how to give them answers for their life problems. And if, you'd ha if you haven't graduated from here or if you aren't taking classes here or if you're not studying what this person wrote or what this person is teaching, uh, then you don't have any business telling people what to do with their lives. And folks, it sounds good and there may be a small element of truth to some of it, but at the end of the day, it's hogwash. It's, it may be good things. But what we really need to be telling the world is not how to build a better mousetrap, not how to reinvent the wheel. We need to be preaching Christ to them. He goes on to say, We preach Christ crucified, under the Jews a stumbling block, under the Greeks foolishness, but under them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world, and the things which are despised, hath God chosen. Yea, and the things which are not, and there he's referencing faith. Remember, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. People look at us and they say, man, you guys are crazy because you believe in stuff that you can't see. Here we see it's the power of God. It's faith. It's the gospel. And the reason why God does this is so that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. You know, folks, I don't know why God chose me to spread the gospel. 
And if you're honest with yourself, you, you probably don't know why God would have chosen you either. You know, but Mr. Kehiwat and I were, you know, talking about some folks that we know that have, you know, kind of strayed off into, into, into false teaching and into utter heresy and sometimes walking away from the gospel altogether. And they were the ones that we knew. They are the smart guys. They were, they were smart and they knew it. And there's nothing wrong with being intelligent. And if God has given you that gift, use it for his honor and glory. But don't, don't get caught up in your own head with it. Christ has created us and gifted us to bring honor and glory to him. You know, our message is not our own. And this is a comforting factor as well. You know, maybe you're like me and you're not, you're not really good with just talking to random people. Maybe you're not super intelligent. You know, maybe you're not, you know, super charming or super good looking or any of these things that the world takes and sees and, and puts up on a pedestal. That's okay. You know, we don't have to study and ponder and meditate and philosophize about the world's problems. We don't have to build rapport. We don't have to cultivate names for ourselves or, you know, compound experiences to lend credence to our thoughts and ideas. You know, we don't have to plumb the depths of man's recorded wisdom. Romans 1 tells us exactly where that has gotten us. You know, look at Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. It says, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto your college's accreditation, <laughs> unto the scholasticism of your research, unto the clinical trials that prove your counseling methods, or the cultural keys uh, of appreciation, or the charitable deeds that win friends and influence people. You know, there's nothing wrong with any of these things, folks, but that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, ye shall be witnesses unto me. You know, folks, our message is not our own. And something that comes along with that is the fact that the power is in the message, and our message is not our own. Our message is Christ. Romans chapter 1, verses 16 through 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God and a salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. And if you're like me this morning, you'll find that fact to be extremely liberating. You know, because think of this, every time that you obey the prompting of the Holy Spirit, every time you obey the commands of Scripture and share the gospel, the responsibility of the power, the responsibility of the results is not on you. It's on God. You're just a messenger. And when you are an obedient messenger and you spread the gospel, you open the door in somebody's life for the Holy Spirit to work. You give the Holy Spirit something to work with in their life. You give an open door to the power of God. It's God that brings the increase, not us. That's not on us. All we have to do is be faithful messengers of the message. And God will do the work. You know, take the sword of the Spirit and turn it loose. That's all we have to do. Share the message of Christ and open the door for God to do his work. All these other things, are, are, are most of them are good. And I'm not saying be sloppy with the gospel. The Bible says that we should study to show ourselves approved unto God. It doesn't say about anything about unto man. Take the message of the gospel Learn the message of the gospel. Study the scriptures. Learn the scriptures and then go turn them loose in somebody's life. Because it doesn't matter what the problem is. As convoluted and twisted as they may be, 
the answers are found right here. And a life that honors God will answer all of life's issues. You can, you can bet on that. You can take that message and you can share it with the world. It's been mandated to you. Let God do the work. So now we've seen these first two points. We've seen our responsibility, our part of the bargain. You know, our action is assumed. God has chosen us to spread the gospel. He's commanded us to spread the gospel. He expects us to spread the gospel. Not only that, but he's given us the message. We don't have to worry about solving the world's problems. It's been solved right here. We just need to know the book and share it with the world. Our action's been assumed. Our message has been mandated. But now we're going to start to see God's assistance that he promises to us while we fulfill our responsibility. Number three, God's power is provided. God's power is provided. This kind of plays off what we were talking about with the message. You know, the power is in the Word of God, for the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. But look at verses 18 and 19 of Matthew chapter 28. It says, Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. And then verse 19, he says, Go ye therefore. Now, when I was growing up, there was a, there was a little uh, radio uh, program I would listen to when they do Bible study for kids. And they always say, Whenever you find a therefore, you need to go back and see what it's there for. And it is a good saying. But, uh, you know, this therefore, he says, Because of these things, because of the power that's been given to me, now I am telling you to go into all the world. Notice that when Jesus first called his disciples, he didn't say, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. It didn't happen then. You know, but Jesus Christ knows that his time on earth is done. He's fulfilled the will of the Father. He's going to return and sit down at the right hand of the Father and intercede for us. The Holy Spirit is going to come. That's what he's talking about in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. He says, look, you're going to receive this power, and when you receive this power, you need to reach the world with it. You know, think about the boundless power of God that's been manifested in the person of Jesus Christ. You know, we think about this and how exciting it would have been to see the power of God working in the lives of people during the earthly ministry of Jesus Christ. And then we step back and we mind ourselves, well, you know, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? And the same God that, you know, parted the Red Sea and, and shut the mouths of the lions and did all these things, that's our God today. We talk about how, you know, without God, we can do nothing. Uh, but with, with God, nothing shall be impossible. And we preach and we encourage each other about mountain-moving faith. And then when it comes to all this thing, comes down to the point of where we go and we're supposed to tell somebody about Jesus all of a sudden, we go from talking about God's power and mountain-moving faith and yesterday, today, forever, when all of a sudden, it's, oh, I, I can't do that. You, you, see the, you see the disconnect there? You know, folks, God gave us the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit for many reasons. You know, but in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, he makes it very clear that one of the primary reasons there was so that we would have the power to share the gospel. Jesus said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. God's power has already been provided to us. The moment you got saved, you had the Holy Spirit coming and dwell inside you, giving you the power to live a life that honors God. 
giving you the power to say no to sin, and giving you the power to be a witness to those around you and to let your light shine brightly. You know, a lot of Christians don't see God's power in their life. They get bitter and miserable and backslidden. You know, you want to see God's power in your life? Make opportunities to see God's power in your life. Tell people about Jesus. Live a life that points others to Christ. Give God room to work and you will not be disappointed. Our action is assumed. Our message is mandated. But God's power is provided. And number four, God's presence is promised. God's presence is promised. You know, we were in the other room one of the other days here. And uh, David was in the middle of the floor and he suddenly realized that neither his mommy nor his daddy nor his grandpappy or grandmommy were anywhere near him. And he broke down and started crying. You know, I don't remember that period in my life, but you can just see the terror in his eyes as he realizes, I'm alone. And, you know, there's, if you're honest with yourself, there's been times in your life where you found yourself terrified and you think, you know what? I'm alone. Now, that was never actually the case. We know that God is with us. But think about the comfort that we can find in this promise when God says in verse 20, And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. You know, turn back in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 4. We're going to look at a little illustration here from God's Word, and then we'll bring this thing to a close, and I'll get a second round of coffee. You know, anywhere in God's word where you find God calling his man and giving him his message, you will always find that God promises his power and his presence. Every situation, every situation, all the ones you want to go back and look at, uh, anytime you find God calling his man and giving him his message, he always provides his power, and he always promises his presence. And here in Exodus chapter 4, we find an example that you're probably very familiar with. You know, God had just commanded Moses, his chosen servant, to go forth with the message that God had mandated to him. And this is a startling parallel to the Great Commission. You know, God commanded Moses to take action. He mandated his message. He provided him with his power. And then Moses, however, decided to raise an objection. And in uh, Exodus chapter 4 and verse 10, uh, Moses said unto the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore, nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am of slow speech and of a slow tongue. Basically he said, well, God, I'm not a public speaker. I'm not a good speaker. Now, people will argue on both sides of the equation as to whether he had a lisp or you know, whether he had a speech impediment or whether he didn't and he was just making excuses. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter. God created all of us, and we're going to see in this next verse, God created all of us specifically qualified to fulfill the task that he has for us. Listen to the Lord's response in verse 11. The Lord says unto him, Who hath made man's mouth? Or who maketh the dumb, or the deaf, or the seeing, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with thy mouth, and teach thee what thou shalt say. He answers Moses' objection with the promise of his presence. You know, maybe you're sitting here this morning and thinking, no, I'm not, I'm not that bright star that shines out in my class at school. 
or I'm not the guy that's always getting commended by the CEO for my excellent work. Or, you know, I just don't have the drive and innovation of others. Or, you know, I just, I, I have these ideas, but I can't present them in a way that, you know, resonates with, with the crowds. Or, you know, anything that you, anything that you want to think of. All those objections that come to your mind when you think, you know what, I ought to be telling that person about Jesus. Whatever that first thought is, whatever that first objection is that your flesh throws up in your face, God already knows. And he has created you specifically to fulfill a specific task and calling. You know, the same thing that God told Moses, Jesus said to his disciples when he sent them out to witness. Luke chapter 12, verses 11 and 12, he tells them that when they bring you into the synagogues and unto the magistrates and powers, take ye no thought for what thing ye shall answer or what ye shall say. For the Holy Ghost shall teach you in the same hour what he ought to say. Once again, he says, don't worry. You're going to be all alone. The father's going to rise up against, against the son, and the mother's going to raise up against the daughter, and they're going to drag you before the principles of the powers, and they're going to persecute you. They're going to judge you. They're going to treat you cruelly, just like they treated me. Don't worry, because even when you are physically all alone, I will be there with you to help you fulfill your purpose. You know, my friends, God's word is clear over and over and over again, and it should be a comfort and an encouragement and an inspiration to all of us here this morning. When you assume your responsibility to take action for God, and you deliver that message that he has mandated to you for his honor and glory, God will provide his power and his presence will be with you. You can memorize it, write it down, take it to the bank, my friends, you can say this to yourself, when I go for God, I do not go alone. When I go for God, I do not go alone. You have the promise of his presence. And I don't know how long I was supposed to take, but we found ourselves coming to a conclusion here. And my friends, let me remind you once again, let me encourage you, let me beseech you. We've seen from God's word today how the Great Commission relates to you. And oftentimes we talk about it as this great, big, abstract, ethereal idea that, okay, well, sure, we'll do it, but, you know, how does that apply to me? You know, I, I give money to the church, and the church gives money to missionaries. I'm good. Now, that's a wonderful thing, but that's not all of it. This is a partnership between you individually and God. Your action is assumed. Your message has been mandated, but God has provided you with his power and he's promised you his presence. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for the time we've had to just be uh, reminded and refreshed uh, and hopefully encouraged, Father, about our responsibility to spread the gospel around the world, to be a light for Jesus where you have placed each and every one of us. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to all darken the corner where we are. And, and Lord, I pray you'd help us to be reminded of your power and your presence that you have provided and promised to us. Thank you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. If you're looking for a church family where you can serve, I'd like to invite you to Anchor Baptist Church of San Diego. We are a Christ-centered, family-oriented ministry located at 8245 Ronson Road, Suite D, San Diego, California, 92111. Our services start on Sunday for Sunday school at 9.30 a.m., 
and our morning worship begins at 1045. Then we have a brief time of fellowship before we begin our afternoon service at 1215 p.m. Our midweek Bible study and prayer time is every Wednesday at 7 p.m. And if you or anyone you know is struggling with a destructive, addictive behavior, Anchor Baptist Church offers an addictions recovery ministry, which is a Bible-based recovery program that provides freedom through the power of God and His Word. This program is called Reformers Unanimous, and we meet every Friday at 7 p.m., also at 8245 Ronson Road, Suite D, San Diego, California, 92111. For more information, visit us at www.anchorbaptistchurchsd.org. That's www.anchorbaptistchurchsd.org. Or call us at 619-804-3413. That's 619-804-3413. Anchored in Christ is a radio broadcast supported by donations by faithful listeners like you. If this broadcast has been a blessing to you and you'd like to donate to this broadcast, please visit our website at www.anchorbaptistchurchsd.org giving and donate to Anchored in Christ radio broadcast. Thank you for listening and may God keep you anchored in Christ. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.